Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen and with me are... Devendra Hartwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show everyone. Today on the Slash Filmcast we got some what we've been watching for you and then we're going to move on into an in-depth review of El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie which is out right now on Netflix. Um, you can tune into more episodes of the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. And thanks to our sponsors for bringing this week's episode to you, Villains Feels and Native are three sponsors this episode that are allowing us to bring the Slash Filmcast to you for free. So let's get into what we've been watching this week. Uh, I want to just talk briefly about something I've been watching, uh, a documentary series called Living Undocumented. Have you guys heard about this? Um, it's on Netflix right now. Any of you yeah. heard yeah, Living yeah. Undocumented? Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, a docuseries that debuted pretty recently, and it, it essentially follows the lives of, I think it's like eight immigrant families who have been impacted by uh, U.S. immigration policy, mostly by Trump immigration policy, but also like from Trump's predecessors as well, some like Barack Obama and Bill Clinton uh, policies that have impacted some of the families here. And uh, I think uh, everyone should watch this movie uh, or this series, I should say. Everyone, you know, whether you are— Is it going to rip my heart out? It will. It totally yeah. will. I mean, whether yeah. you're you're a liberal, whether you're conservative, support Trump, don't support Trump, whatever it is, I think you should watch this movie because uh, you should see the impact that U- U.S. immigration policy has on people, you know, and on normal, uh, everyday families. Now, the, the series— in my opinion, clearly has a point of view on the justice or justness of uh, U.S. immigration policy, and you you know you may uh, share that opinion, you may disagree with that opinion, um, but I, I I think it's trying to convey this idea that like uh, the policy is destroying the lives of people who are. Uh, really people who who meaningfully contribute to US society and and that these are not people who we should like dedicate our resources to uh ruining their lives which is what's happening like that's that's kind of my perspective on what the position of the the show is uh but regardless i think if the you know if our country is doing something to people whether it's going to war with people whether it's uh deporting people whatever is happening i think it's like it's worth it to know what the impact on people is uh, and I think it is, despite having a position, it's fairly even-handed in how it approaches this topic. It's there's some very like moving interviews. Uh, there's a lot of great kind of tape that these filmmakers were able to be there during crucial moments of these people's lives. And so, just from a documentary filmmaking perspective, it's really impressive. Uh, and yeah, I think everyone should watch it. So uh, the show is Living Undocumented. The multi-part series on Netflix. It's it's just a really solidly made documentary, and particularly as we're heading into an election year coming up, uh, I think it's just important for people to know the impact of what they're like. They they might not have voted for these policies, but they voted. People voted for people that put these policies into place, and you should just know that this is what's going on. So, I'd recommend Living Undocumented. It's on Netflix right now. Jeff, is this something you're going to watch? What do you think? Um, I, I definitely would be interested to watch it for sure. I just, um, you know, living in Los Angeles, it's a big, big topic for, for me. And it's one um, I, you know, we employ a, a nanny who is here legally. In fact, her sister just arrived 
uh, on Sunday uh, and will be living with her. Her sister and she had been uh, had been apart for multiple years as her sister went through the process of coming over here legally. It is a grueling and difficult process that has only gotten more difficult in the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting. I As knowing her in the last few years because she's been our nanny has made me even more interested in the topic of immigration and legal versus illegal and the kinds of people and the desperation and the, the struggles that coming to this country entail. I would be very interested to see it, but I do feel like I would be a puddle on the floor by the end of it. Uh, I don't disagree with you, um, but I, I do think it's worth watching and I think it's important to watch. Um, yeah. I think the only other thing I'll mention, you know, since you're you're talking about it, is there is this whole idea out there that people who come into this country who are undocumented, like they don't want to uh, assimilate. Like uh, this is a talking point in conservative media that like the, these people don't want to assimilate, they don't want to contribute to society. Many of the families in this show like pay their taxes, they want to make their communities better. Um, they don't commit crimes, uh, and I I think one thing that also comes across is people who go through the naturalization process. I would argue appreciate citizenship, citizenship more than people who were born here, or many of them. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Oh, yes. It, it, because like when you've had to like fight for every step of the way to become a citizen, uh, I just don't understand how that cannot give you a greater appreciation of citizenship than never needing to think about it at all in your whole life. You know, like it just, uh, it's something that I think is a a common misconception that Mm -hmm. a lot of these undocumented immigrants like don't appreciate being an American. And I think this, this docuseries does a lot to correct that point of view. So it's living undocumented. It's on Netflix right now. Check. You know something not to go too off on a tangent here, but I, I, I was thinking recently that I've never conceptualized myself as a second generation American, mm-hmm. but I am one. I, I just, I've never thought about it in those terms, but mm-hmm. my grandfather was born in Italy. And so that would make my father first generation, right? Uh, yeah. well, yeah. I, I, assuming your father immigrated to the United States, which is that no, the case? My grandfather immigrated. Oh, oh your, fa- your grandfather immigrated. I got so you. that makes my dad first generation, yes. right? Yes. Right. Cause he's first generation born here. I think that's, that's how that works. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm either second or third. Yeah. I'm, I think second, I'm second or third. But you, you <laughs> yeah. can actually see you can see the link to somewhere else, which I think is important because what's really funny is that uh, yeah, certain media that likes to, I don't know, rail against immigrants. I I don't know. I don't know what some of those folks did to actually fight to earn you know their citizenship in America. That's yeah. that's kind of tough. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it's an illuminating film, and you know, there's we've we've talked about a lot of documentaries here on the Slash Filmcast, and there's some that I'm like, oh, I, I think this is a great topic, and but I think the documentary is only okay. But the topic is so mm-hmm. good, it doesn't matter, right? There's been many of those. This is actually, I think, a great topic, and the documentary is well made. You know, so uh, I'm I'm happy to recommend it. Again, Living Undocumented on Netflix. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? Well, uh, I have just started the third season of a show on Amazon that my wife and I have enjoyed the first two seasons of quite a bit called Goliath. It stars Billy Bob Thornton as a sort of uh, alcoholic 
um, defense or a, yeah, I guess defense attorney, corporate attorney, uh, who, uh, takes down these big Goliaths, these huge, huge cases, huge, you know, class action lawsuits type deal against massive companies, a little guy suing the big guy. Uh, and the first two seasons, uh, we found very enjoyable and interesting of a funny, interesting group of characters and the plots are cool mysteries and have some big twists. Um, and I just started the third season, which premiered recently, uh, early October. Uh, and we've only gotten a couple of episodes in, but one of the things I really like about this show, uh, first of all, they, they tend to get, you know, one-off season, big guest stars and not guest stars, but there's guest season long cast members. You know, the first season had William Hurt and, um, uh, this season has, uh, uh, Dennis Quaid. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see big cast like that, big uh, cool actors playing against each other like that. Um, and it, it is also a show that d- isn't afraid to get real weird, <laughs> real weird. First season, uh, William Hurt played a character who like had to be in the dark all the time. Cause he had a weird condition. <laughs> Uh, the second, I'm remembering those scenes now. Well, yeah, that was second insanity. season yeah. had Mark Duplass as a uh, a character who like fetishized about dismemberment and uh, losing limbs. <laughs> you know, it, it gets real weird. They're doing the Dexter thing, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, and and then this season, it's like they went, let's just go for it because. <laughs> I like I said, I'm only two two episodes in. The whole season's out because it's an Amazon release kind of deal. So maybe people have watched more than I at this point. But it, it the thing that I like about the show is that it it starts off with these wacky, almost science fictiony, X Filesy type beginnings, and then explains them in the most rudimentary way. There, it, it's all explained. It's all very easily explained, and it, it ends up having a very mundane, you know, reason for it. This one starts in a super genre sci-fi way, and it we we're, we have people like doing crazy drugs and having wild uh, visions that like Dennis Quaid, four hundred Dennis Quaids all singing a song. It's the it's just like what is this show right now? Uh, but I'm totally uh, assuming that it's going to come around and make make sense at some point. But boy, right now. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I kind of I kind of love the chutzpah of that, you know, just the sort of going so far afield. And then like the whole season is reeling me back in. Um, But season two had one of the best single episodes of a show ever. Uh, This sort of bottle episode where Billy Bob Thornton like gets kidnapped by these people and has to break out of this strange room. Um it kind of reminded me of, of of that episode in Barry season two as well, where it's just like this wacky escapade mm-hmm. of chaos. Um, so I'm fully expecting season three to be great. Uh, right now, I just don't know what to make of it. Jeff, have you watched Bosch yet? No, my dad, in-laws... dad to dad, Jeff, like yeah. the official dad show recommendation <laughs> is Bosch. Uh, Jeff, that. you will love the hell out of Bosch. Uh, okay. Everybody, everybody watch Bosch. Bosch. It's my, great. The Wire my... alumni are in Bosch. Talking about a dad recommendation, literally my father-in-law <laughs> like can't stop talking about Bosch, and it's like you guys have to watch Bosch. I know, I know. We have a, we have a Facebook group, and we all we do is talk <laughs> about Bosch. All right, well that's uh, Goliath season three, and also Bosch, uh, and both of them are available on Amazon Prime Video.
Devendra, what have you been watching? Uh, just quickly, I wanted to mention uh, Primal, which is the new TV series from Gendy Tartakovsky, the creator of Dexter's Laboratory, um, uh, Samurai Jack. He's worked on so many things. He's back making a an original 2D animated show. Uh, and I, I kind of love this thing. It is a brutal series set in prehistoric times uh, about a caveman. Uh, something very bad happens to him. Uh, and he teams up with a dinosaur who something very bad also happens to. Uh, it is it is like violent. It is cruel in a way like it is a show that I think it balances like the beauty of um, I, I don't know. It tries to be poetic at times, but it's also like very much aware that life back then probably would have been hardcore and brutal and, you know, get used to seeing the people you love die super easily. Um, it has no dialogue which I think is a really interesting thing, right? Because it's uh, this is pre-language. This is just a caveman trying to figure life out and a dinosaur that can't talk. And I think the animation is fantastic. The look of the show is great. I love uh, Gendy Tartakovsky's 2D animation. This reminds me a lot of his... Um, he did the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons uh, before they went CG. Uh, he did a series of animated things around the uh, the prequels, and I loved those things. So this is, you know, he's kind of doing that again. Great action, great set pieces, a great use of 2D animation. It's worth checking out. It's on Adult Swim right now. So that is Primal, and it's on Adult Swim, and very cool. Like it's, it's bold to have like a movie. It's bold. That, he's that a bold show, guy. I love show him. that doesn't yeah. have like di- dialogue, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's done this before. There have been Samurai Jack episodes that have been mostly dialogue free. Uh, There is if you guys if you haven't seen the Clone Wars cartoons, it is worth watching. There is one starring Mace Windu with no dialogue. It's just Mace Windu messing up stormtroopers and destroying giant, you know, ships all on his own with the power of the force. It still looks fantastic today. Very cool. Uh, Well, again, that's primal. It's available on Adult Swim right now. Uh, and speaking of things that are violent and brutal, boy, do we have a sponsor for you today. Jeff, do you want to tell our listeners about villains? Absolutely. Uh, you know, every, every we, we're a bunch of heroes here on the, the Slash Film Cast. In our own minds. Yep. I think it's pretty universally uh, acknowledged that we are heroes. But the world is full of villains. And some of those villains are real. Some of those villains are fictional. If only there was a podcast that told you about all of them. Oh my gosh, there is our new sponsor, Villains, the new podcast from the Parcast Network, talking about villains, talking about. I kind of like the way you said that, Jeff. Parcast Network? Villains. Villains. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm available for parties. Um, it highlights the psychological, political, and emotional factors that spawn villains both real and fictional i think I, I love this idea that they're talking about darth vader and the joker just like they're talking about charles manson and pablo escobar i mean it is the same stuff and i think that's a really cool idea where you can relate you know these factors that work in fiction and drama and how they're influenced by and influence the real world it's a really cool thing so you delve into social influences that lead to character creation for the fictional ones and for the real ones you learn the true story of all of their dark deeds and what created them what drove them to do those things it's pretty cool 
Some are fictional, some are real, but all are villains. Follow Villains for free on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts, or you can visit parcast.com slash villains to listen now. All right, let's get to our review of El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. I don't know what to tell you. I ain't said like 500 times already. I have no idea where he is. Don't know where he's headed either. North, south, west, east, Mexico, the moon. I don't have a clue. But yo, even if I did, who wouldn't tell you? Because I've been watching the news, same as everybody else. I seen that little cage of his they kept him in. I heard about what all they did to him to make sure he kept cooking. So sorry. I don't know what to tell you. No way I'm helping you people put Jesse Pinkman back inside a cage. That was from the trailer for El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. I'm going to read a plot summary of this movie from IMDb. A sequel of sorts to Breaking Bad, following Jesse Pinkman after the events captured in the finale of Breaking Bad. Jesse's now on the run as a massive police manhunt for him is in operation. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I almost shat myself when I saw a trailer <laughs> for this movie. Because, I mean, that I mean, trailer dropped like... Two to three months ago? You know, it was not yeah, that long yeah. ago, right? So it wasn't like, hey, coming in 2022, a Breaking Bad movie. It's like, hey, this movie that you didn't even know existed, that you didn't even know anyone was filming. Yeah, you right? didn't even know you wanted it. You weren't even begging for it. <laughs> now here it is. Now, now it's going to be. algorithm heard you. Not yeah. only does it exist, it's going to be here in like two months. Uh, which is an amazing reflection of our times. I mean, it's yeah, so, so yeah. interesting that we live in a time where this movie can exist, right? I agree be 100%. Because, right, the, the reason this movie exists is because uh, Breaking Bad uh, was on Netflix for a while, and being on Netflix helped propel the show to huge heights of popularity. Uh, I mean, the show was on AMC, and it's one of those rare shows that actually the audience grew from year to year. And by the end, it was wildly popular. Like, I, I think over 10 million people were watching every episode. And uh, it, it was so popular that Netflix is like, hey, we're going to get the rights of Breaking Bad to be able to make a movie that is a continuation of the plot of what happened at the end of Breaking Bad, the series. We're going to be able to call it a Breaking Bad movie, and we're going to release it simultaneously uh, to all of our viewers, which is what they did uh, last week. And now everyone can watch this story that is set in the Breaking Bad universe that's a direct continuation of the events of the series finale. Now, mm -hmm. one thing... Who would have thought that, that the, the, the IP that could do both a prequel <laughs> and a sequel effectively yeah. would yeah. be Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad? Would be Breaking Bad. Not, not yeah. something I would have... Would have uh, no, who would have predicted that? I think for me, there's two questions when I when we come to this movie, right? One one of them is something that uh, Dan Trachtenberg once said to me a long time ago when I was uh, making the Primary Instinct, uh, my film with Stephen Tobolowsky. Is he said something about like the film? He said like this thing that you're doing in this film takes a complete thought and makes it incomplete, right? And so he's like, don't do this thing that you're going to do, and I ended up not doing it. Um, and so one question I had was like, does El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, Man. take take a complete thought and make it incomplete? You know, does it that. a 
phenomenal yeah. question. Right. Yeah, that is so, the perfect question for this movie. Agreed, agreed. And and so that, that's one question. Another question I have is like, uh, does it justify its existence? And what I mean by that is, like, is the story important enough? Is it? Does it feel essential enough that when you're watching it, you're like, I, I am glad this exists. It should exist because without it, I would be missing a fundamental piece of the puzzle that is Breaking Bad, right? Like that. That without this thing, I, I, like my life would have been worse off if I hadn't watched this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of they're kind of similar questions, but like one is like, does it? in any way negatively impact Breaking Bad by making it incomplete? And uh, separate question, like, does it, in and of itself, justify its existence as a standalone film? So, wow. Devendra, your thoughts on on those questions, do you feel like it takes, a, a complete thought makes it incomplete? Do you feel like uh, it justifies mm. its existence? Uh, I, no, I don't think it creates an incomplete thought, I guess. Like, to me, this is the complete thought. Uh, because I did not like the Breaking Bad finale. We we talked about this a bit. Um, I think Ozymandias, the second to last episode directed by Ryan Johnson, is a far better episode of Breaking Bad and a far better way to like kind of end that story. Whereas the actual finale felt like a lot of fan service. It felt like unsurprising. It didn't feel really rooting in the character. So I was just not a huge fan. Um, I will say I'm glad this movie exists now, having seen it, because now I can say I like the Breaking Bad finale. Okay, because uh, not the actual episode. To me, this is the Breaking Bad finale. This is the end of the series, or at least like an epilogue of sorts. Um, You know, I was not super excited for this movie Um, when it was announced. I, you know, I thought it was cool, Um, but I was not really eager to revisit this world. Certainly not so late. Right. We are six years past um, there's a scene at the beginning of this movie where somebody calls Jesse a teenage retiree, which I found kind of hilarious because it's Darren Paul today playing that role. Um, you know, there are certain things like that that don't quite work in this movie. But I think it gives us such a great view of Jesse as a character, kind of the trauma of what he went through in the final season and uh, a really fascinating and introspective glimpse to where he's headed. And it's not a movie that's focused on like giant shootouts. Uh, there's there's no robotic machine gun in this one, right? There's no like th- there's violence, but it's not it's not big. It's not a grand scale thing. It is quiet and smart and in, you know intelligent in the way the show always was, and so rooted deeply in characters in their emotional truth. So I love this movie, and for me, this is the real ending of the show. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on El Camino? Well, Dave. <laughs> I guess the answers to your questions <laughs> wow. are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Wow. The show's ending was satisfying and clean. Did we need additional scenes? <laughs> I guess I don't care because being back there makes me nostalgic for 2013. Very nice, I, Jeff. Very nice. I, I Thank you. I think that the... Framing of that question is perfect, and my answer to it is I don't care, which is weird, (laughs) right? I think it's the perfect question to ask, and I do think that it sort of undoes a complete thought, but it's such a weird movie, and I guess we will talk a little more in spoilers, but it basically just is an ellipses to get Mm -hmm. to the same thought. It's just – 
filling in some some more information and doing it in a very entertaining way, it doesn't actually progress the story. It just it, it leaves us basically the same place that the show left us, <laughs> but with some added moments with these characters. And I say, so be it. I had so much fun watching this going, oh, God, I remember what I loved about this show. I remembered that I loved, like Devinder said, how smart this show is, how it is a show about methodology. Yes. It is a show about the process of stuff, of thinking through a plan and setting it in motion and the A to B to figure it out. And almost always in the show, that was about Walter White doing that. And now we have an entire movie where we get Jesse Pinkman as the one who's going through process, thinking things through, going, this is an A to B, B to C, C to D movie. And it's so cool watching, okay, if I want to get this done, I need to do this. Well, if I need to do that, I need to do that beforehand. And before I do that, I definitely have to do this. And that's what this movie is. And I find that to be so satisfying, that process of there. It's like a video game, I guess, you know, to solve the puzzle, you're going to need to do, you know, yeah, you want to get the key to the castle. Okay. Well, the guy who holds the key has four quests that you need to finish before you can get the key. That's kind of how this movie plays out. Like there's a thing that he has to do to get another thing that he has to do to get another thing. And I find it so fun to, to go on that ride to see how the problems are solved to be inside that experience and then you also get the wonderful nostalgia of characters and actors that i haven't seen play these parts in six or seven years all just sort of naturally show up again as these characters and it makes me realize, oh my God, the world was so much better in 2013, or at least <laughs> I was, I was blithely unaware of how bad the world was. And it, you know, in this, this pre-Trumpian world where I could just sort of enjoy a, a dark story without feeling like it, you know, was about the real world in any <laughs> singular way. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I really, really liked Revisiting the the Breaking Bad world, revisiting these characters, revisiting the kinds of stories that that show told, but I also don't feel like to answer your question. I don't think think it really progressed any. It it, it is an unessential but very enjoyable chapter in this universe. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Inessential is one word that comes to mind uh, because. It's not like oh my oh my gosh, there's something that happens in this that's so important that you must watch it, or it's so exceptionally well done. That you must, yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, I do think that one of the downsides of the Breaking Bad finale was that it did give short shrift to Jesse Pinkman as a character. I, I think I, that whole final season kind of did, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did give short shrift to that character, and this movie is almost a way of retroactively correcting the sins of the past. It's like, hey, we acknowledge that this character, Jesse Pinkman, who is in virtually every episode of Breaking Bad, right, or many, many episodes of Breaking Bad, uh, a beloved character, one of the top three characters of Breaking Bad, which is arguably one of the best TV shows of all time, uh, that we did not necessarily do him the greatest honor in the final season of the show, nor in the series finale of the show. And this is a way of like going back and like correcting that. And 
that's just th- that's kind of amazing because like it, it would be one yeah, thing if yeah. the Jesse Pinkman storyline ended in an extremely satisfying fashion, right? I thought it was a solid ending for Jesse Pinkman at the end of season five of uh, Breaking Bad or season five, part two of Breaking Bad. It was it wasn't a terrible ending, but it was like mm, it just really feels like there was a lot more there that we didn't see. And this movie shows you what that is. So I think it is best described as an epilogue. Uh, as you, I think you you use the word epilogue, right, Devinger? Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. an epilogue to Breaking Bad the series. And uh, I, I think if this episode had come out after the series finale, like a week after the series finale, and had been the true series finale, that would have been completely fine. You know, like that yeah. it would have worked as the actual series finale. In fact, uh, I think that the movie is it's it's so. It is indicative of a creator, Vince Gilligan, who has these characters in his mind so well that all of the minutia of six years ago is still matters, is still vibrant. Like, I found myself, I, I you know, I watched every, I was obsessive about that show, but I haven't thought about it or, or, you know, watched any episodes in, you know, six years, this, this, <laughs> this movie certainly rewards people that have watched it much more recently or <laughs> are very well, uh, familiar with all of the tiny details of where everything was left because this movie doesn't, it doesn't pretend to catch you up on anything, but it definitely references tons of established minutiae. Uh, and and I kind of love it for that, you know. Well, yeah, it's it's a movie that you should definitely not watch if you haven't seen Breaking Bad. I mean, right. it, it's yes. not a movie that will be enjoyable. <laughs> it's not the Firefly movie, which you're not getting that reference, Dave. But yeah, uh, you could watch the Firefly movie. Dave, Dave has seen Serenity, Serenity, as I recall. Yeah. No, yeah. I've seen oh. the first scene of Serenity, which is pretty, which is pretty good. Your answer always changes, Dave. Like uh, <laughs> the the origins of the Joker in The Dark Knight, Dave's situation with Firefly is an amorphous thing. Yes. yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's the, it, you, another way of putting it, Jeff, is it punishes you for not watching Breaking Bad recently. Yes. Um, like yeah. I, so I, you know, I, I did a recap podcast about Breaking Bad. I, I analyzed every episode, did a commentary of Ozymandias with Ryan Johnson. Uh, but I, I have not revisited that show in a really long time. And I watched recap videos on YouTube to like catch myself up. And even I still like missed a bunch of the, there was some stuff that I was like, I think I'm supposed to know more about this situation than I do right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, that definitely happened a few times during the course of the film. I think there, there's like one particular reference that they made very clear in the movie that I didn't quite remember. Uh, it is funny that this movie has no clips from the actual show because Sony is apparently stingy as hell. So yeah, that's funny, I guess. <laughs> There's certainly scenes that feel like it's like, well, did they shoot this and just not use it? Or did right, they actually right. bring these people back? Uh, which is which is fun. Like, I love not knowing that. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, I mean some, I someone in the chat room was also commenting on how, like, Netflix didn't get the rights. All I was saying is that they were able to make a movie in the Breaking Bad universe and brand it as a Breaking Bad movie. Like, it's not called El Camino, period, nothing else. It's called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, and it is on Netflix and I believe it's branded as a Netflix film. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's just fascinating that we live in a world that this can exist. And I'm actually happy. I, we, I mean, we've seen mixed success. Yeah. This never with, goes well. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it never goes well. I would say, like, Downton Abbey, the, the movie that's out in theaters right now, 
is a massive success. I mean, that is a huge win for everyone involved in that film. Uh, there was a Veronica Mars movie. I didn't see that. I wasn't a fan of that show, but Devendra, like, how'd that go? Uh, you know, it went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so th- there's, there's a, there's arrested a mi- development. Yeah. Arrested development. Was there, was there yeah. a movie arrested development though? No, but just kind of like coming back to something after years of not being there, you know, yeah. picking it up. As oh, if, I, I wasn't talking about like reboots in general necessarily. I mean, You're like, talking just about like movies. movies, movies based off of TV shows, right? Oh. Uh-huh. Twin Peaks is another example. Yeah. I, again, not, not a, not a movie, but well, yes. Fire, fire I, walk no, with no. me. Firewalk oh, Firewalk with me. That yes. was a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and did the X-Files do that? Make a movie? X-Files, I think is a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I actually don't even. I watched. I think both of those. How many X Files movies were there? I think there were there, two. Right? Is Fight the Future mm-hmm. and um, what was the other one? Uh, I mean, the fact that I can't even yeah, remember yeah, yeah. it is a sign yeah. that I didn't think. Oh, I want to believe that came out in two thousand eight. X Files. I want to believe. I'm really conflating that and then like the new episodes, and then some of the new episodes are good. So yes, two movies. Yeah. So I think you know what actually is the first example of this. What is that? Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Star Trek one, right? Yeah. Star Trek, the movie, the, the motion is, picture. Yeah. Yes. Is, is exactly this. And it worked. Uh, did, it? did it? Absolutely. It did. It completely <laughs> revitalized that. I mean, it, we, we talk about Star Trek. It, because it, it, it helped us get wrath of Khan. How about that? Well, it helped us yeah. get next generation and God and knows everything. what else, you know, yeah. everything. This I, movie, I this movie stars, you know, Aaron Paul is Jesse Pinkman, who is recovering from, uh, a lot of challenging uh, situations that he's been through uh, that we didn't even see in the course of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know what I was thinking of, Devendra, that could have helped Jesse Pinkman out in challenging situations? Our sponsor for today, Feels. You want to tell people about sure. Feels? Yes. Uh, Feels is a premium CBD service that gets delivered right to your doorstep. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like Jesse could have used this. Uh, he he kind of came out of that whole torture situation pretty uh, pretty badly, kind of sweating, kind of kind of freaking out. And I found CBD and feels CBD in particular to be really helpful uh, during anxious times in my life, like when I have a, a big deadline looming, uh, when I have to go to the airport. Uh, it helps me naturally reduce stress, anxiety, and sleeplessness. Um, I really appreciate that. Like every airport trip now, I uh, I take a bit of feels, and uh, it is it helps everything. Airport lines, uh, delays. I don't I don't care as much. I'm able to just like go along with the experience. It's super easy to take. Um, you just put a few drops under your tongue, kind of hold it there for a bit. I think what's really interesting about Feels is that they give you a lot of support, right? So they have a free CBD hotline that you could call and text message to ask questions. And that's better than you'd find at, compared to like the CBD bottles at the bodega or something. CBD is everywhere right now, but finding good stuff uh, and real stuff is kind of hard. So Feels kind of helps out with that quite a bit. Uh, it helps you feel better naturally. Uh, there's no high hangover or addiction. And the best part of feels is that it's a it's a membership, right? So you get it delivered to your door. You set up to go every month and you'll save money in every order. You can pause or cancel at any time. So I'll say, you know, feels has me feeling pretty great. And I'm really glad to have it around. You can become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get a 50% discount automatically taken off with your first order with free shipping. Feels dot com slash filmcast. 
Thanks to Feels for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I have a question for you, Jeff Kanata. Is like, have you been watching Better Call Saul? I don't think you have, right? I, much to my shame, okay. I, I watched the first season and then second season. I got got away from me. It, I premiered at a weird time, and I got and it got away from me. And then I just I haven't done it. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, Jeff, yeah. that, that kind of happened to me too. But then I caught up, and it was really worth it. So yeah, I want. I loved it. I loved it, and I. I think part of it is that my wife never watched the original Breaking Bad, and so she wasn't sort of in like I was, and we just didn't start watching Better Call Saul together. And it, I don't know. It's one of those things where it, we're just out of sync, out of rhythm somehow. I, I got to catch up on that show, man. I, uh, can, yes. can I make an oblique reference to something ha- that happens in the most recent season? Or sure. Will that, sure. Yeah, so, no, go ahead. Uh, so, I'll, I, I mean, I'll just say that uh, in the most recent season, there is like a brilliant – plot subplot that occurs in in the most recent season of Better Call Saul where uh they basically explain the origin of something that you took for granted in Breaking Bad, right? Uh I, I mean, can I say what it is, Jeff, or do you care like what I'll are you, take what? I'll take my earphones out. Okay, okay. It. Just take your take your earphones out for like 10 seconds. But basically like um they explain the origin of the meth lab, uh, Gus Fring's meth lab in uh in Breaking Bad. A meth lab that took, I think, 30 seconds of on-screen time to destroy. They spend <laughs> uh, many, many, many episodes explaining the meticulous construction of this thing. And it's that kind of mentality that, like, like if that sounds exciting and awesome to you, then I think you'll really love Better Call Saul. You'll like El Camino. You obviously are probably a fan of Breaking Bad. You also, I can also see people finding that to be extremely up its own ass, you know, like that they, they might think that, Oh, like who gives a shit, like where that thing came from. Uh, and that's a completely understandable attitude. But I think one of the great things that Jeff indicated about breaking bad and about El Camino, the breaking bad movie is that it's all about methodology. It's about process. It's about problem solving. It's about how do you get from point A to point B? And what are the 18 steps I need to take to get to that point? Uh, and it does so with a lot of style and great cinematography and really smart dialogue that uh, feels very authentic and awesome performances. And if that's what you're looking for in El Camino, I think you won't be disappointed. Overall, mm-hmm. I had a great experience with this film. Um, you know, l- let me ask you guys about this thing called f- the, the concept of fan service, right? Because I think that Fan service is often used as a pejorative, and it's often seen as lazy, right? Like, hey, we're giving fans what they want, and because we know what fans want, it's super easy to do. And so fan service is often like, when you when you hear the term fan service, it's yeah. referred to negatively. I and, use that for the finale, because I, I kind of that's how it kind of le- left me feeling. At the, while I would describe El Camino as fan service-y, uh, I still enjoyed watching it. You know, it wasn't like, like there was a lot of fans, like a lot of characters come back. We won't give away who until spoilers, but like a lot of characters come back from Breaking Bad uh, or at least are referenced from Breaking Bad. And uh, it, it did feel fan service at times, but is it just like the fan service was executed super well or just mm-hmm. that uh, I I liked being in this world so much that I didn't care if it wasn't executed super well? Jeff Kanata, I think- do, you have an, do you have an opinion on the fan service? I think that it's a little of both. I think that the it was executed yeah. well. It didn't feel gratuitous. It didn't feel pandering, uh, which those things can sometimes feel. 
Uh, it wasn't, you know, uh, we shoved Boba Fett in here because you loved Boba Fett so much. <laughs> uh, it felt like every character that showed up had a real genuine reason to be back or be, you know, relevant to this tale that was being told. Uh, or there were moments that were being filled in from the past. I mean, I think this movie, the thing that I found so most surprising about this movie is how much it is flashback uh, of of things, f- filling in moments from when the series was actually on, uh, which I thought was a really interesting move. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, so it does that, but it, it it doesn't feel gratuitous. But also, it's kind of what I said in my limerick, where like I kind of don't care because I'm just having so much fun hanging out with these people again and being back in this world again. And because it's done well again, I, I like, yes, I, I'm a fan and you're servicing me. This is great. I'm here. I'm doing, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, I have a couple of qualms with the movie. One, one of which I can just mention real quickly uh, before we get to spoilers for the film. And the other one I'll have to, I think we'll have to wait for spoilers. Um, but I think the only time where I really felt like I can see the seams of what's happening here is uh, without giving too much away about El Camino, it does constru- like it does create a new villain character, right? And I'm kind of like, oh, I see like this this new villain character who presumably w- was like this vil- villain character came to like w- was a significant part of uh, the Breaking Bad universe at the time of Breaking Bad, but we just never met that character, right? In the timeline of Breaking Bad. And I was kind of like, okay, like I understand why you're doing this movie, you know, because I think you need to have some kind of tension there. You need to have some kind of plot arc there that involves a villain character, that involves a villain character potentially or not getting vanquished. Um, but that, that was a thing where I'm like, oh, you know, uh, that did feel just ever so slightly contrived to me. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, without, without revealing anything about who the identity of this villain is, like, do you, do you guys know who I'm talking about? And, like, what did you make of that? I kind of don't know who you're talking about. Oh, okay. Wow, All right. I'm struggling what? to understand. Maybe I, it's because huh. I didn't have is that Is this vague enough? Yes. Huh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, then. I think I, there's a few possibilities I have in my head, but I kind of don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, then maybe yeah. we should get the spoilers and talk about it there. Yeah? Maybe. Yeah. I, I will just say one last thing, you know, uh, which is that, like, the, the entire creative team from Breaking Bad came back for this, right? Yeah. So written and directed by Vince Gilligan, the music sounds the same. The look is the same. There is, like... I, mo- I, I won't say the look is the same, because actually... This is being presented on Netflix in uh, what Dolby Vision and yeah, and so everything it, it like so it has an extra pop like there there is a nice pop to the desert scenes like contrast that we didn't quite get uh, even with the the AMC stuff. No, no that's fair enough. Uh, did I assume none of you had a chance to watch this in the theater though, right? No. no. Yeah, I I would have loved to have seen it, but I mean I think it looks great. Uh, yeah. and Dave Porter does the music. It sounds similar to the you know. There's all the kind of filmmaking trademarks that we've come to recognize from uh, and appreciate from Breaking Bad. Unique camera angles. Like, unique, there's a lot of stuff Yeah, going unique on, camera yeah. angles, time lapse, right? Yeah. Uh, montage sequences of people doing things. You know, it's just like all that stuff that we love from Breaking Bad and that actually is still present in Better Call Saul, Jeff Kanata, um, is present oh. in this film. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I, I do, you, you kind of referenced this uh, slightly earlier, 
I love the fact that nobody made a big deal that they were making this. You know, it, it it was there was no big announcement like we're revisiting the Breaking Bad universe. We're getting so and so and so and so together again or like it's not there was no it just like this thing that arrived that you like you said, we didn't know we we wanted. And I, I kind of love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I think it's great. It's just like, wow, it's here. And uh, they uh, they shot it in secret. Like it was only yeah. like I think it was uh, Bob Odenkirk gave it gave away the film's existence a while ago. It's like, oh, we've been shooting the secret Breaking Bad. Mo- They're shooting the secret Breaking Bad movie. Uh, and it's at, like, oh, no, t- it's a secret. I said at, it yeah. at the time. I didn't believe him. You know, I was just like, oh, um, okay. I, I wonder if I'm ever going to see that. Like, is, is that a thing? Like, is that like Topher Grace's like Phantom Menace edit where like it's people talk <laughs> about it, but you never see it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like not possible to actually even watch it. You know, uh, who knows? Who knows? But then it, it arrived fully formed. Everyone can stream it. Uh, I, I think that is uh, pretty amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you can uh watch it and that it like it in many ways looks and feels similar to breaking bad the show uh yeah it's just it's it, it's great there are some things that don't look similar to the show for instance like Devinder, you mentioned you know the, the the technology is now a lot better um also like the opening and closing credits i thought were like that's just not in the style of breaking bad i thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> That's like the thing you're you're gonna ding it there. Yeah, I'm not dinging it. I'm just saying I'm just <laughs> noting that it's like, huh, like interesting, interesting choice there. Yes, um, different. Let me just say one of one last thing before we get to spoilers for for this movie, which is Jeff. I actually do think it's a real shame you're not watching Better Call Saul because I actually I would argue that Better Call Saul is a show more suited to your tastes than Breaking Bad is. I know, yeah. David. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yes. should be. I, I know it's. Ah, you're killing me here. Okay, well, I, I, that, that, this it, is the it last is time hard to show. watch things with kids, Dave. Like that's that's the main thing. It is yeah, so much harder there's now. There's only for so many things I can watch. Well, I mean, I'm I... pretty sure like at least three seasons of the show happened before Jeff even had kids. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you should at least be caught up to like season three if everything was going correctly. But if, if Dave's math is correct, yes, I very much enjoyed season one, and then. I, I can't even explain to you what happened, but there was something where like it debuted at a time I was out of town. I, something weird happened. I fell behind and then it was like, okay, well now I'm going to have to binge and my wife, it just, I'm going to blame my wife. I'm just going to blame my wife. It's her fault. <laughs> I, I do that's... want to watch it. It's one of those ones that's always in the back of my head of like, oh, I got to watch that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty great. And it, it also is pretty remarkable that, yeah, this show spawned a, a spinoff series that is markedly different than mm-hmm. Bre- Breaking Bad. And then this epilogue movie, uh, definitely not something I would have seen coming as something that would yeah. spawn from the show. But yeah, Jeff, uh, watching Better Call Saul is something you got to take care of, just like you have to take care of your body as well, which is something oh. that our third sponsor for today, Native, can help you with, right? Oh my gosh, that segue, David. That segue, it did not stink. And you know what? You shouldn't stink either. Uh, that's why you should be using Native, that's the deodorant that I've been using lately. Uh, Native is a safe, simple, effective product that people use in the bathroom every day using trusted ingredients and trusted performance. Are you convinced? Are you not convinced? Well, maybe you should check out the 8,000 five-star reviews from Native customers or you can talk to me about it because I've been using Native uh, as my deodorant, which is formulated without aluminum 
parabens or talc. Uh, it's film, uh, filled with ingredients that are found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, uh, tapioca starch. Uh, and they never test on animals, which is important to me. And they have free shipping and returns. The best news is it works. I really enjoy my native deodorant. The other thing that's wonderful is they have really fun scents. I've used both the coconut and vanilla, which is their most popular scent, which smells uh, delicious. And the one I just got is the cucumber and mint, which I didn't know what to expect, quite frankly, with cucumber and mint as a deodorant. <laughs> it is delightful. I just, uh, I just got it, just started using it. My wife was like, ooh, what is that? I was like, that's cucumber and mint. And she's like, what? And I was like, no, really, seriously, it's cucumber and mint smell. She's like, it is delightful. Um, and they've got a whole variety of, of other scents. They have eucalyptus and mint, lavender and rose. And there's no risk to try it. They give you free returns and exchanges in the USA. I, I got to admit, I, I have switched over to Native as my deodorant. Um, it's just, uh, it just makes me feel good. Just makes, makes it better. And we'll help you out. If you want to give it a try, and there's no reason why you shouldn't, we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. All you got to do is visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code FILMCAST during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and the promo code FILMCAST when you check out. Please don't forget that. It'll get you 20% off. Your first try purchase. It. Yeah. 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 Try it. Give it a shot. I think you'll like it. Uh, you know, deodorant is a is a very personal thing. And this is a this is a huge upgrade for my life. So I think you'll dig it. Native deodorant.com and the uh and that promo code filmcast thanks to native for sponsoring this episode let's get the spoilers for el camino starting right now now you're looking for the secret you're gonna see this coming no but you won't find it because of course you're not gonna see this coming you're not really looking i have been puzzling over how it works you don't really want to work it out who's in the box i have been dying to tell you i want to tell you my secret now. you want to be fooled all right, so in terms of the villain character, the guy I was thinking of was the uh, the welder from the candy company or whatever. Oh, right, right, right. right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess you could say they turn him into a villain. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was, like, the villain. Have we uh, seen them before, by the way? Like, candy just seems significant to, to Jesse. That, that's what I'm saying is I don't, like, this movie had to invent an entire backstory where, like, this guy kind of helped to screw Jesse over, well, right? Not just the guy, but Candy itself. Like, was Candy part of the the thing before? Like, I just don't remember. I don't, I don't believe that we've ever, if we've ever seen the Candy truck before, I don't think we've ever met that character before. Gotcha. Um, so it had to basically be like, hey, like, this other, like, okay, all the, all the uh, white supremacists are dead. But this other guy also pissed Jesse off, and Jesse now needs to take him out, potentially. Yeah. Um, so welders, the, uh, yeah, these welders who and it, like as if to be like, hey, you know, you didn't already think these people were total pieces of shit. Um, they make like they use their money to like hire these prostitutes, and it's like presumably treat them very poorly because you see them being very like not happy when they leave the place. So uh, it's it, that's the only time in the movie where I was like, okay, movie, I kind of see what you're doing. You need to like craft these this uh, character out of nothing and and make him a villain character. Um, but you know, it, it's all done very well. I love the whole showdown that they had. Um, I kind of. The, 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 let's just talk about the showdown again, by the way, because I feel like that is that was probably the action highlight yes. of uh, of the movie, and it is staged so well 
Like it just it reminds me of like a freaking Sergio Leone film where it's like <laughs> Jesse just like walks in and everyone shuts up and they yeah. see the gun. And it's just like it is framed like everybody's in a perfectly positioned spot in the frame. Like great use of widescreen. The show always did that. But I'm very glad to see it like continuing here. And what a damn great shootout. That's all yeah. like uh, I love the, the surprise of it is fantastic. I love the the moment where the dude shoots like six times before hitting anything. It's like, <laughs> I feel like that would be so realistic, you know, yes. like these movies where it's like bang, bang, and they're both hit. It feels like, no, these idiots would be shooting wildly and missing yeah. mostly. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's great. And the thing Jesse I enjoyed did, watching like, the old time. Oh, sorry, go ahead. The thing I enjoyed watching about that last scene is. Um, in the background, there's all this glass that like yes. falls yeah. down, like this broken glass falls down at strategic points uh, during the shoot. And I'm just like imagining on the set, there's <laughs> literally a dude whose job it is to make that glass fall down during the take, yeah, yeah. and then like crumple. reset it. Every and it's just like wow, like they they must have put a lot of work into that glass in the background. Um, so I really appreciated that. But yeah, uh, so. I enjoyed that guy as a villain, great actor, right? Um, and so I, I, th- I thought that was good. But I, the other thing that I kind of am, this is the thing that I was like, I need to wait until spoilers to talk to you guys about this to see if like this is a pr- this is a problem, right? Which you know, Jeff, it sounds it sounded like you're kind of in the tank for this film, and that's fine because I, I, totally. I respect, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. in the tank as well, and that's fine. Um, but one of the things that uh, I thought is interesting to reflect on is what is Jesse's arc, both during the series of Breaking Bad and also during this film? And uh, there was an article I read by Abigail Nussbaum, who's one of my favorite writers. She wrote a review of El Camino for LawyersGunsMoneyBlog.com. <laughs> and uh, here's what she writes about Jesse Pinkman, which like you, you may or may not disagree. You probably disagree, but like I felt part of this rang true to me. She writes, quote, The farther I get from Breaking Bad, the easier it is for me to see that Jesse was less an innocent victim, uh, less an innocent or a victim, as he was weak-willed, and that the reason he seemed redeemable to the audience was not so much any trait of his own as the fact that he was standing next to people who were so much worse, at one point actual Nazis. Even when Jesse finally realizes how much Walt has hurt him and tries to strike back, he is so ineffective and so self-absorbed that all he achieves is to get Hank and his partner killed and Jesse captured and tortured by the aforementioned Nazis. And unlike Mike's ignominious end, Jesse's failure to achieve anything substantial feels more like the show forgetting about him than scrambling to give him something resembling a decisive end Ending, uh, I'm sorry, then scrambling to give him something resembling a decisive ending rather than a meaningful statement about his character. Um, so anyway, that's that's the quote. Yes. Sorry, I, I kind of read good. it correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it basically is like, huh, like when you think about it, what was Jesse's arc in Breaking Jesse Bad? Jesse was know? kind of just there for Walt always to feel better than somebody. Like that. that's kind of how I felt throughout the series. I like think he has a redemption. Moments. He has a redemption arc. Well, he, he kind of does, but I feel like in this movie, certainly like seeing him deal with things on his own, figure out things on his own. It is sort of like, um, you know, the kid going to college for the first time, except this time uh, you've just escaped uh, being imprisoned by Nazis. Um, So it's Jesse Pickman, like trying to put the pieces of his life back together on his own, uh, taking kind of what he learned from Walt, but also trying to come to terms with himself too. So I, yes, if this movie serves that purpose alone, I think it's worth it. My very favorite scene of this entire movie is the scene with Robert Forster uh, in the vacuum. Oh, man. It, it is so great. Also, also it, R.I.P. 
R.I.P. Like yeah. this, this movie premiered the day his death was announced. Yeah, so sad. So he's sad. amazing. Uh, the scene is amazing. The fact that the scene is in the movie is amazing. Like, of course, how brilliant is it that Jesse <laughs> thinks the way all of us think, which is like, if I had just gotten on that in that van, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. none of this would have happened. And so, of course, he's going to be like, I'm going to go find how to get in that van now. I love Love the logic behind that. The the talk about fan service. That's like it's like uh, the opposite yeah. of of fan blue balls. You know, it's, it's like fan devotion. I feel like that's the entire movie, right? Because yes, you 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 cannot watch this movie if you haven't seen Breaking Bad. This movie will do kind of nothing for you. It will make no sense. Uh, but rather than fan service, it is actually I feel like giving giving fans uh something that they kind of deserve more i guess it's not just fan service yeah it, it, I, yeah i mean there's so many wonderful moments in this movie but uh that the the length and the the sort of calm of that scene the l- fact that that gilligan make, lets it play out at, at <laughs> length and we just kind of sit in that store with them right it's so wonderful and- by the way, like that is that is exactly why you cast Robert Forster too, right? Yeah. Just the the cool guy, the calm, he, the calm, cool yeah. guy. He could he could do something, right? But it's it's not worth the effort. He's just cool. <laughs> He's in control of the situation. Yeah. Uh, man, what a what a legend. And all the Jesse Plemons stuff in the movie is great too. Just the sort of casual uh, psychopath yeah. of, of Todd. You know yeah. that like it is so chilling. How Plemons plays him as this matter of fact, you know, un unfazed by the horror of his world. You know, it is it is so great. And just seeing Jesse have to step through all of that. It's like, oh, man, oh, man. he it's, is the uh, the anti Anton Chigurh. Basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so. A uh, c- couple things. I mean, J- Jeff, you said, "Hey, he does have a redemption arc." I mean, the the only redemption arc I can see, right, is that basically Jesse allows himself to become enslaved in Breaking Bad, the show, in order to spare this kid, right, Andrea's kid, uh, Brock, I believe is his name, right? right? Uh, and so it was nice that this because he's never saved anybody. Right, and it's nice that this movie actually acknowledges Brock in some way yeah. at the end with the letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, so that, that's kind of what you see as his redemption is like, he's saving, he's like in some way he, sparing Brock, right? His arc is he goes through losing anybody he has any connection with because of the actions he's chosen, because the people he's chosen to ally himself with and the actions he's chosen to take, he loses those people. They all die around him. Um, and, and then by the end he realizes none of it was worth it human beings are more important than money and he's going to save one of them. He's by God, he's going to save one of them. If he has to, if he has to go through hell to do it and he does. Uh, so that's his arc from breaking bad. And I think that's, that's not unconvincing what you just said. So like, what is his arc from this movie? You know what I mean? Like, cause there's this moment in the movie when he's at the, uh, Jesse Plemons' house, Todd's house, and the the fake police break in, right? And he's holding one of them hostage, and he kind of has this flashback, right? Uh, where mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh man, like I gotta let this guy go. I can't, I can't shoot this guy who he thinks is a cop." 
And that's like, I almost thought like, hmm, what is this moment trying to tell me, right? Is that Jesse is still like the recognizable person that he is. He won't allow innocence to be slaughtered uh, in so far as he can control the situation. And so that's why he like lets the cop go and like gives himself up. But then that's completely undercut by the fact that, hey, they're fake cops. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So then, and and then I guess like, so then at that moment he's like, okay, like fuck these guys. I'm going to go like confront them and possibly murder them, which is what ends up happening. And so is that kind of the heroic arc? He's like, Hey, I used to value human life and now I don't anymore. Like what, what do you feel like Jesse's arc is in this film? If there is, if it's said that he can have one, right? He didn't show up to kill them. Correct. He he showed up to take a very small amount of money. And, you know, I don't think I don't I I would have issue with your characterization of, of those events. I don't think that's I don't think it's I don't think it was undercut by them being fake cops. I think it was it was a, a sad twist of fate that he chose to um, exercise his humanity to people who are undeserving of it. Yeah. But it, it was further proof that he is, you know, he has break, he, he broke good. Right. Yes. You know, he, and so he's now not the guy that's going to do these kinds of things. Then he realizes the only way to, for him to get out, to get to Alaska, which this movie sort of establishes as like Chekhov's non-contigial state. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, a. uh, uh it, it hangs Alaska out there for the very, very beginning of the movie as like something. It's very funny. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, non-contiguous, I guess is what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, the, I, I take issue with, with you saying that, he, you know, he decided to go kill them and then that somehow is his arc. I don't think he decided to go kill them. I think he decided to, you know, do what it took to get himself out of the situation and they made the decision to push him to kill them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but I, I guess, like, you could also read that as, like, he is now, like, learning to stand up for himself. You know what I mean? Um, I, at least I, I think that's what I'm supposed to interpret it as. I don't know is what I'm trying to say. Is like, I don't, I don't know what his arc is supposed to be in this film. I'm, I'm well, still I think learning. it's funny that the end of Breaking Bad, the series, was him driving off in a car... Mm-hmm. to parts unknown and the end of this movie is him driving off in a car to parts unknown you know yeah. it, it really does feel like just an extension rather than a new resolution of some kind yeah but i guess now he's not just he's not escaping like certain doom it's more mm-hmm. like a, he has a path right like he he has kind of a destination or something he has a goal that he's working towards and he's just not running for his life i guess yeah but i i agree with you that <sighs> I, I don't know. It does give some kind of closure to his arc. That's the, the thing yes. that I really like yeah. about this movie is you do get that closure. You do uh, understand a little bit more about what happened to him afterwards because it was a little bit implausible that uh, he would just be okay afterwards, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously the carnage that happened at that at that Nazi place. Um, we By the haven't way, talked- Breaking Bad doing Nazis before it was cool. You yeah. know what I mean? We, we, haven't, we haven't talked about, uh, we haven't talked about the, all the cameos that happened in this movie. So many cameos. We got I was, Mike... I was, I was yeah. genuinely moved, by the way, by the Badger and Skinny Pete thing. Like yeah. they, oh. yeah. the friendship, yeah. the yeah. friendship, the bromance, it's, it, it made me tear up. You know what's crazy though is the, the teaser trailer for El Camino was a, a scene of Skinny Pete 
being interrogated by police officers, mm-hmm. which like you theoretically actually occurs during the course of the events of this film, but you don't actually see it in the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, right, because sure, they're going to come to his house and ask him what happened to your friend and all that. Yeah, yeah, and they detain him, and it's like it's yeah. it's this is a thing where like the teaser trailer actually can assist you with your knowledge of the events of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So a good example, of Jeff, of, uh, you know, I'm not saying you should have watched it before, but I'm saying you can definitely watch it afterwards because it's basically like a deleted scene from the film. Yeah. Um, so That's awesome. I thought that was. Kind I mean, of maybe it was a deleted scene from the film. It's very possible. It's very possible. Um, and. Uh, I mean, I, I never watched that tra- I never watched that teaser trailer because obviously Jeff, you and I in general don't watch teasers. But um, it, it, it's a great way of introducing the idea of a Breaking Bad film. Like, I don't even yeah. think you see Jesse or uh, you know Aaron Paul in that teaser trailer. So it's a mm-hmm. great kind of piece of marketing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was yeah. genuinely shocked by the Walter White moment, like yeah. the, the way it plays, the, them walking f- toward the camera. Even though we kind of knew it was coming, it, it is introduced in a really, yeah, shocking way. It was, I was, I, I popped like a mark, man. I, <laughs> I, I, it was like, I mean, this is a character who's dead and I get a chance to hang out with him a little more. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's like magic. It's cool. And you kind of get a, like a little bit more about their relationship together. You see Kristen Ritter uh, comes back in a scene yeah. that happens that before. That was surprising because she, she, she is in a like much bigger career path now than she was during breaking bad so yeah nice to see her back and uh, uh you guys have already mentioned jonathan banks appears with like airman trot again mm-hmm. i think those are all the big cameos i uh I, di- I don't think bob odenkirk was in this movie right i don't he was not i don't remember no, seeing him. yeah it's just uh, funny that if he was the one that spoiled the fact that it was yeah. being made <laughs> somebody's a little a little defensive i don't maybe know maybe he was in angry. an earlier cut of the film it, it is honestly mm-hmm. weird to me that he's not even just for like cross promotional purposes like it would seem like a good marketing well he i mean in the in the future right he is he is at a cinnabon in what idaho or something right so oh yeah how how could it really work well because the movie flashed back like a bunch of times you know so it's like oh you could have flashed back to a time when they interacted with bob odenkirk again maybe i don't know maybe they already felt like they had everything they could uh, yeah i I feel like all the cameos were essential in some way right they they either gave us a new layer of jesse's life like even even the robert forrester thing where that guy, that guy was his guardian angel at one point. That guy could have saved him from all this misery. So it is kind of fitting that he comes back. Even old Joe makes a reappearance. Yes, old <laughs> oh, Joe, the so uh, the head of the uh, um, the dump. Uh, junkyard, right? Yeah. And it, it's great that Lojack was the thing that like set off the whole the initial sequence so of events funny. in the movie. Yeah, uh, but I, th- that is like classic Breaking Bad, right? It's like, yeah, hey. Um, I mean, that one felt a little bit self-imposed. Uh, did they did they really need to give themselves that obstacle of the lojack? But it's certainly very plausible. My favorite moment from the movie, though, was actually when he and Ta- like Aaron Paul and Jesse Plemons are in the desert together, and he reaches for the gun, and like Todd has to convince him to like give him the gun. Uh, it, it's a heartbreaking scene because basically, like Jesse Pinkman is getting taunted by. Uh, th- like near freedom at almost all times that he's with yeah. these people mm-hmm. and being unable to seize it kind of adds to the torture. He's basically like reek in game of Thrones. Uh, yes. Uh, at this point, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, or, uh, 
Kendall Roy from Succession in season two. Ooh. You know, like mm. it ba- basically just like a tortured character that's completely sub- subjugated. And that was that was probably the moment that I was most affected by. Plus, you know, that combined with the amazing cinematography out in the middle of this this stunning, you know, scenic view that they're in. Uh, it, it's a heartbreaking moment for me. So. Yeah, and I think we've talked enough about Aaron Paul's performance, and I think, you know, he was always great in Breaking Bad, but I feel like there there's like a level of maturity he's bringing to this performance now too, because it is, it is Jesse suffering from PTSD. It is Jesse trying to reclaim his life. Uh, he's had a couple projects. He was in the that cult show on Hulu, which is all right, um, but I, I don't know, like a, a wiser, older Aaron Paul kind of giving us Jesse Pinkman again. I don't know. I wouldn't say he couldn't do this six years ago, but I think there's something more to his performance now that I really uh, appreciated. Like he, yeah, he's, he's he grown does as a sad actor, cry. you know, in the last yeah, seven years. Yeah. And I think he's, he does a great job here. It's a completely convincing performance. So, mm-hmm. all right. Any other thoughts on El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie? I think overall, it sounds like we all enjoyed it, even yeah. though it wasn't like, hey, go rush out and see this, you know? But if you are a Breaking Bad fan, I think you will like El Camino. I think I'm very it, glad it, it exists. Yeah, it will. You will be glad to take the trip. And For sure. there's so many great sequences. Like I actually really like the like searching the entire Todd's apartment sequence. Uh, yes, that top down yes. composite shot of him in all the different compartments of the house. Yeah, uh, amazing. So cool. Amazing stuff. Yeah. So anyway, well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Jeff Kanata, where can people find more of your work on the internet? You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this this show and thinking about Vince Gilligan and imagining his process of staying in this world with these characters that he invented. And I don't mean to compare myself to the genius of Vince Gilligan, <laughs> but, but that's my goodness, precisely what you're about to do. Well, I yeah. just, I just uh, can allow relate, me to. <laughs> I can relate in a very small way uh, with the Dungeons and Dragons show that I'm doing because I, I, I don't ever want it to end. I love it so much, and I the, these characters, these situations, this world is in my head all the time, and I love it. I love thinking about cool connections and fun things that can come back and resurface and this is my version of of storytelling and i would love people that have only heard me talk about other people's stories to check out a story that i'm weaving with a really talented group of creators and actors uh, over uh, on the dungeon run which is the dungeon dragon show i do uh, you can find it on youtube by searching for the dungeon run or you can listen to it as an audio podcast it's actually really great as an all audio show as well uh, you can find that anywhere you get podcasts by searching for the dungeon run or you can watch it live every Wednesday night when we record at 6 p.m. Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. I also do a video game podcast called DLC, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. How about you, Devendra? Or you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra, and I write about tech at Engadget.com. We're also restarting the podcast there, so go ahead and check that out at your favorite podcast client. Find me on Twitter at Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chensky. I also host another show called Culturally Relevant. You can find that at Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are downloaded. Next week, folks, I think it's going to be Parasite. I think it's going to oh, be yeah. Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. I'm scared. One of the best per theater averages 
uh, when it, like apparently show after show in New York City was sold out this weekend. It was or... ridiculous. Let me tell you, I tried to get into this to see this movie. Uh, I think over uh, around 30 screenings at the IFC Center were sold out. Insanity. That's yeah, that's crazy. Um, I'm looking. Hopefully, we will get in to see the movie. I'm actually not like. <laughs> let's put it this way: we will review Parasite if we get in to see it. It is going wider, so yeah, we'll see. We'll it see. will be out in Seattle on October 25th, so theoretically, it'll be in time for the show. But uh, that's assuming I can actually get in. So we will see. Um, so hopefully, Parasite will be our review next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.